Do that to me one more time. Do what, Captain? Do what to Neil? Well, my old nemesis, Captain. What have you been up to? Hello, to Neil. Love will keep us together. Hello, to Neil. We have bad blood. We used to be very competitive. My wife and I, when we put out our albums in the 80s, we always knew we were competing with the Captain and Tennille. And we were up for it. Most days we were up for it, but sometimes you just knew the Captain and Tennille would dominate the charts. Their songs would rise to the top. And ours would struggle to even get one or two listeners. I mean, you've probably heard some of our hits. I don't want to get into that, but can I just ask you, Captain? Let me ask you, Tennille. The hell are you singing about on Muskrat Love? What does the song mean? Muskrat Susie, Muskrat Sam. Who? Do the jitterbug out in Muskrat Land and a shimmy. I don't get it. Sam is so skinny. Eat a burger. And a The fuck to Neil, Muskrat Susie and Sam, and they singing and jingin' and jangin' and jingin' and jangling and floating with the heavens, and it looks like Muskrat love to you? Is that right, Tennille? But they did have one undeniable hit, and isn't that why you tuned in to episode 204? Because you're thinking, I don't connect with new music anymore. I need that old school flavor. I need a reminder of that hot, passionate love that my lady and I once shared under the chuppah. Oh, that's a hit. All right, Tennille, you got me back, my dear. Ooh, the sweet sounds of Captain and Tennille getting you through your rainy commute on KGGG. It's Muskrat Love. Jingin' and jangin' and jingin' and jangling. It's the type of love only made for muskrats. I'm not a marriage therapist, but you probably don't want to walk by your spouse and say under your breath, I guess I'll do everything around here. When doing some remedial chore. Like if your wife or husband's like, could you just bring the folded laundry into the room? And you do it willingly. You look like you're doing it willingly, but right when you get close to them, act like you're saying it under your breath. I guess I'll do anything and everything around here. What was that? No, nothing. Nothing. Could you bring the groceries in? I got a diaper to change. Do you mind bringing the groceries in? Sure. No problem. I guess I'll do everything around here. The whisper to yourself. Oh, you know some people are doing that. Oh, you heard that? Yeah, we heard that. Or walk by some coworkers eating fast food with their 
big bags of Burger King and just walk in and say, oh, I wish I could eat like that and then walk away. It's a great way to make friends. Whenever you see a bunch of coworkers sharing a big stack of Chipotle burrito bowls together, just walk right in and go, oh, that looks good. I would love to be able to do that. And then whisper, but I care too much about myself. And keep walking. You're not making friends, all right? Folks, I'm a little loopy. Poor sleep. Plus, I just had a baby scream cry into my face, a stressful cry for the last uh, 20, 30. You thought I would say minutes? Days. You thought I was going to say about 20 minutes? Days. Google it. Why is my toddler screaming? Provide a comfortable environment. We will not be doing that. No, it's a stimulating house. Everyone gets back around 4.30, 5 p.m. There's dinner being made. There's music on. There's arts and crafts. There's slime. One of the slime that sounds like farting, the flarp. Flarp's a great toy. That's going on. We got little toddler instruments, maracas and tambourines. We got shoes dragging in rain and mud. We got a sink full of dishes. You need to wash those. Laundry in the dryer. You need to fold those. Snakes on a plane was not a great movie, but we all watched it anyways. All that's going on and the toddler's screaming. Why is she screaming? Why is she screaming? Google it. Google everything. Do not use your own original thoughts and insight. You Google it. Why is my toddler screaming? And I learned and now I'll provide a better environment. Although we're doing our best. Everyone likes to say that. We're doing our best. Sometimes I look at my wife and go, we're not doing our best today, are we? We're just a little tired. We're just a little burnt out. We're just a little stressed. We're not doing poorly, but this is not our best. Let us never feed anyone that bullshit like this is our best we're doing our best that's your best holy shit we place too much importance on every little thing none of this will be remembered none of this will matter so much importance on what happened today at work none of this will matter why is it that we can't know that why can't we know that while things feel like they matter so much it won't matter in the year 3046 No one remembers you or your little issue. It's crazy that our brains cling to it like, this is so significant, this is so important. No, it's not. It's really not. It's a liberating idea. It's a liberating feeling. Well, this won't matter. Soon. Won't matter at all. Be a distant memory. But I guess we don't live like that. We tend to live in the eye of the storm, not where hindsight is 20. You know hindsight is 20. Yeah, we know. We know. You say that a lot. We, we know. Quick question. How many jobs involve screens right about now in 2023 on planet Earth? How many people say I'm going to work and you're really just looking at a screen? How many jobs? Just basically, I mean, beyond the content of your job, your role, your duty, your important position, beyond the job title how many of these jobs just involve you and that screen okay all of them most of them how many people work from home screens how many people go into a building you get in your car you fill a thermos of coffee and you go into a building for work screens 
How much of our planet could function if Wi-Fi and screens were eliminated? Tomorrow you woke up like some weird Black Mirror episode and someone ran to your car and said, Jimmy, there's no more screens in here. You still have a job? I mean, is there still anything to do? There's no Wi-Fi. Jimmy, don't even waste time getting out of your car. We still have a water cooler and a break room where Alice is bringing Chipotle for lunch, but there's no more screens. Why is the guy delivering the news so out of breath? I don't know. Maybe he had to come down a flight of stairs, but you still going into that building if there's no screens in there, no Wi-Fi? How much of our planet would really still function? We've gotten to the point where we just throw our jobs into our screens, right? Well, that's where I'm doing my job now. Go to work tomorrow for, I'd say, hmm, let me drop a percentage on this. I'd say 78% of you go to your job tomorrow if there were no screens and no Wi-Fi. Do you have anything to do? Not everybody, not everybody. That's why I said 78%. I guess construction workers, they could still go to work. Plumbers, they could still go to work. Electricians, I guess. Landscapers, they can go to work. Some doctors, not all doctors, some professional athletes, they could probably still work. Professional athletes would still work, but they would miss the screens because they can't break down tape. Everyone else just wandering around like fools, like a bunch of fools. If the screens were eliminated, we've given up our souls. The sight of someone on a laptop saying, I'm working, that's boring. As my daughter said, my daughter misuses boring and I'm not going to correct her. My five-year-old says boring for things that are not boring. And it's not like I'm disagreeing with her and saying, things are exciting, you're wrong. But I just hear her misuse the word boring and it's so cute. Like we were looking for parking around her elementary school. And I said, how about I park right here, Myla? And then we'll walk a little bit and you could touch the button to go through the crosswalk. And she's like, no, you're parking too far. That's boring. Don't park here. That's boring. I was like, what? Parking here? Well, boring. That's a boring parking spot. But it was not. I don't want to correct her because she's going to grow up and know everything. And now I like knowing a few things. I think I only know eight more things than she knows at this point. And she's going to not only surpass me, but she's going to surge past me quickly. So let me just relish in this, that I know I know more things than her. Parking spots, not really boring. Maybe they are boring. Maybe she was right. Maybe that was a boring parking spot. What the hell am I talking about? Screens? Oh, yeah. Someone working on a laptop in a coffee shop glances over at you and says, I'm getting some work done. Oh, really? Because that's boring. You're boring. We should all go outside and look around and work with our hands again and stop being hardwired to this bullshit. This is a speech, all right? This is a pep talk. This is an inspiring rant. I have no clue what I'm talking about. I have no clue what it means that I'm done with screens. Even right now, this podcast, I have to watch Audacity, this program that records my voice and little blue lines go bleep, 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 as I'm making sounds, as I'm making sounds into a mic, I need a screen. And then I save this podcast and then I put it through SoundCloud and it goes into Spotify and iTunes and screen, screen, screen. So what I'm doing right now, it's all screens. Teachers, teachers are using a lot of screens. How many emails do I get a day? I'm not exaggerating, 32. I get 32 emails every single day of my life and I respond punctually because I'm a good professional. I respond quickly. I almost respond too quickly where people must be wondering, are you just attached to your screen? I go, yeah, are you? Aren't we? Aren't we all? Let's all go outside and harvest some carrots like my wife did this past weekend. Let's all harvest carrots. What, you didn't plant the seeds for carrots? How the fuck? What are you doing? What are you doing? If you're not planting the seeds for some carrots, 
what do you do? Are you Googling? Are you sending an email to someone like saying something like, dear friend, I really hope we could start harvesting our vegetables. Stop writing the email about the harvest and plant the seeds. All right. That's my time, folks. You're going to love your headliner tonight. You remember him from one of the dads and my two dads. Also from Mad About You. Keep it going for Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. You know he's still doing comedy. Isn't that weird? There's like this tier of comics that aren't really famous anymore. They probably just rely on their famous name from a sitcom in the 90s that we all watched. And they're still touring. They're still doing it. They're still doing it. You know what book I'm reading right now? I'm reading a book by Roseanne Barr's daughter. Her memoir of what it was like to grow up as Roseanne's daughter. And it's great. I'm a memoir junkie. I could not imagine reading a novel, a novel, a fantasy that didn't happen, that someone's imagination. Oh, how boring. Give me a memoir. Give me a dysfunctional life with a lot of wisdom, a lot of pain, a lot of relatable pain. Give me that memoir. This is a good memoir so far. I think her name is Jenny Pentland. If you want to look it up, I almost guarantee no one listening right now is going to look it up. That Roseanne Bars wrote a great memoir. Roseanne's Barzes wrote a great memoirs. Okay. I'm going to tell you a true story right now. It's up to you to believe it or not. It's a true story. My wife and I went out on our first date, had a date night this past Sunday. First date night since June. Okay. It's been a while since summertime. But we got my mom, grandma to come watch Encanto with my daughter, put the baby to sleep, got that microwavable popcorn, taught my mom about teeth brushing for a little girl and how to read a couple of books and how to arrange the stuffies and how to turn on that fan and that heater. And that It's a lot. It's a lot. Putting a kid down in 2023. I know Seinfeld had a bit about this where when Jerry Seinfeld was growing up, you just said goodnight to your kid. And now what's the process? Like, what's the routine? Is it 45 minutes to an hour in your home? From back rubs to book time to floss their teeth to reflect on the day to preview tomorrow. It's a process, but it's fun. It's nice. What else would I rather do? Watch Mad About You reruns? It's a callback. But my wife and I had freedom, two hours of freedom to go to Il Davide, Santa Fe, good Italian food. We're ready. We like to sit at the bar. We're not calling to reserve a table. We like to walk in, sit at the bar, and get the full menu at the bar. Give me the silverware. Give me the glassware. Let's create a rapport. With that bartender, great bartender. We both ordered Vespers. It's a type of martini. You could Google it. Vesper. So good. She made them perfectly. Had a little Italian wine. We took an Uber. Of course we took an Uber. Only had a couple of drinks, but you know, it's too easy to take an Uber. There's no excuse. You take an Uber. You gonna have some beverages? Gonna have some pops? You take an Uber. Uber ride there was horrific. The guy just ranting against the company the whole time. I honestly just wanted to throw myself out of a moving vehicle. Honestly, I couldn't handle it anymore. I just went silent. My wife tried to make small talk. My wife made small talk because the Uber ride was so brutal for me. This guy just nonstop talking shit about the company, telling us his theories on this. He's upset. And he's playing a podcast with some racist content. I was like, oh, oh, shit. This is the worst. I mean, the idea of taking an Uber is good. The worst. My wife's saying things like, I never noticed that building up on that hill. You know, she's filling in the gaps of silence like a good person does because I'm just saying nothing anymore. I'm done. I'm done. But that's not the story. The story is on the way home. On the way home. We had a different Uber driver from the Middle East, playing music from the Middle East, calm guy, his car smelled good. The type of guy who is so calm he makes you calm. Are you Josh? Yeah, yeah, I'm Josh. Hello. 
Hello? Said nothing throughout the whole ride. My kind of driver said nothing. But as he's pulling into our street, pulling right into our enclave, there's three deer in the road on a rainy night, three deer. And he had like these extra bright white headlights, like the glow as he turned this corner and there were three deer right in the road. It was like high def. It was like all of a sudden the world became art, wildlife right in front of our Uber. And I said out loud, isn't that amazing? Isn't that great? And our Uber driver said, it certainly is. I do love all animals. I'm not making this up. He said, I love all animals. To which I said, really? So you love coyotes? And he said, what's a coyote? My wife will attest to this story. The guy says, I love all animals. And this peaceful soul, this gentle Uber guru, Uber guru. I love all animals. I said, whoa, I certainly don't. In my head, I just jumped into my coyote obsession. Like coyotes? You love coyotes? He said, I don't know what those are. What are coyotes? And my wife finally speaks up and she goes, they're just like crazy dogs. Okay, she had nine drinks. I'm just kidding. She's like, they're like crazy dogs. Shut up. I was like, well, honey, honey, come on, take it easy. You give the girl nine Long Island iced teas. Who's ordering those anymore, by the way? Have you ever thought about some of these drinks from back in the day that no one's ordered? All of them with Dory Sour. Capable Cape Cods for the boys. And we got to do some Washington apples, some buttery nipples. No one's having drinks like that anymore, right? I don't know. Is anyone ordering Long Island iced teas? My wife had nine Long Islands and told the cab driver, they're just like crazy dogs. Shut up. Just kidding, that's a poor impression of my wife. She's nice, she doesn't speak that way. But let's pretend for a moment. Let's just pretend, right? That she's just out of control in an Uber telling this sweet Middle Eastern man to shut up. You don't even know it, dear. Yes, he does, honey. He said he doesn't know what coyotes are. Right, they're like crazy dogs. I know, you said that, you said that. They're crazy dogs. They're not really crazy dogs. I mean, they're kind of crazy. (laughs) Maybe they are. Maybe they are crazy dogs. Who knew? And that's animal education with Shanee. Can I give you an example real quick of perfect art? It's debatable, but I don't want to debate it. You know, it's debatable. I don't mean to be so dogmatic with my debates, but Royal Tenenbaums. How many times have you seen it? If the answer is zero, I truly demand that you check out Wes Anderson's best work ever. Wes Anderson is such a cool filmmaker. It's like a play... It's theatrical, but it's a movie. You're wondering, is this a play from costume design to the makeup to the pace of dialogue? It's aesthetically pleasing. But nothing is the Royal Tenenbaums. Nothing. And this movie came out over 20 years ago, and I saw it in the theater, and it was a comedy to me in the theater. And I watched it a few nights ago with my wife, and I was like, this is hitting me differently. There were just some storylines that were affecting me. They were resonating about family dysfunction and feuds and how relationships can go south in a hurry and how ugly yet necessary estrangement can be. And the cast was just too good. Like every line written in this script is too good. It's Angelica Houston. It's Gene Hackman. It's Ben Stiller. It's Owen Wilson. It's Luke Wilson. It's Bill Murray. It's Gwyneth Paltrow. All 
in one incredible movie. It's so good. This aged really well. Some movies from 20 years ago or even further back, I watch them again, I go, I'm not feeling it. Not having the same relationship. This just blew me away. And at one point, I'm like, there it is. There it is, misty-eyed. Not fully crying, but just misty-eyed, realizing that there's a conflict for the viewer. That Gene Hackman, who plays Royal Tenenbaum, a father that abandons the family, he comes back, he fakes being sick, it's all funny. It's all funny, but you can see the pain in his kids' eyes. Luke Wilson, Gwyneth Paltrow, Ben Stiller, especially Ben Stiller with his two kids in their Adidas jumpsuits. Love it. And there's good acting happening. And then good acting for like five, six minutes, and then a good joke. And you're like, okay, we needed that. It's like the pace of the punchlines and the pace of the sentimentality was perfect. It was the perfect balance, and it's just eye candy. It's fun to look at the Royal Tenenbaums. But... How do they do this sometimes? How does Hollywood make a piece of shit like Royal Tenenbaum? Gene Hackman's character is a total piece of shit. I mean, he's a con man. He's a jerk. He's neglectful. He's confrontational. He's mean. And then at one point I looked at my wife. I'm like, they've written the movie that the viewer's supposed to cheer for him, right? Like all of a sudden we're cheering for him to reconnect with his kids. How'd they do that? How'd they do that? And you wonder who wrote the movie. Probably someone with a conflicted relationship with some family members. And in the end, the way the movie ends, even though it's a death of Gene, I guess that's a spoiler. Can you even have a spoiler alert if the movie came out that long ago? But you almost become satisfied with how everything plays out, even with those scenes that are tough to watch. And if you're a fan of this movie, you've seen it like 15, 20 times, then you know there's a few scenes, just like a lot of good movies. There's scenes where you're like, okay, I love this movie, but I don't want to watch that scene. I love this movie. I don't want to watch that scene again. I love, look, I love La Bamba, but I don't want to watch when Bob loses his temper and rapes Rosie. I don't want to watch that scene again. Okay, You know what I mean if you're a La Bamba fan. And if you're a Boogie Nights fan, you're like, I love that movie. I don't want to watch when his mom yells at him, when Marky Mark comes home all happy and his mom yells. I don't want to see Marky Mark's mom lose her temper in Boogie Nights. Think of a great movie that you love, and then think of the one scene in that movie where you're like, look, I love that. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. Royal Tenenbaums. I love this movie. I don't want to see... Richie Tenenbaum's wrists, you know what I mean? I don't want to see, I don't even really want to see Owen Wilson, Eli Cash driving down the street all hopped up on drugs. I don't want to see that. He's going too fast. All right, he's going to crash. I knew he was going to crash. You know the scene's coming, but you don't want to see that. Even in Major League, I don't want to see Dorn punch wild thing at the end because Rick Vaughn slept with his wife. I don't want to see the punch. I, I just don't. I don't. Let's celebrate the big win for the Indians the tribe, which are now called the Guardians, as we progress. But I don't want to see that. Tell me, what uh, what else do you hate seeing? In movies that you love, but you keep watching, and you're like, nah, I don't. Uh, should we fast forward? Let's just fast forward. I don't want to experience that emotional distress again. By the way, it's raining again. I'm recording this. We had a couple days of dry weather. I'm acting like it's water world. All right, now I'm caught up with the cyclone bombs and the atmospheric rivers. I am caught up in it. I'm no longer giving people the speech. It's just rain. It's scary. It's scary as shit. Why? I don't know. Because I read stories in the news that there's mudslides and floods, and that is scary. It's not just a man who needs to grab an umbrella. There's full communities that are just destroyed. And you're sitting back and laughing? I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy. I don't think anyone around the country cares. I mean, when we have wildfires in California, I think people care. But when they hear we have rain and all these people who've been dealing with snow and hurricanes and tornadoes, and when they hear that the Bay Area, California, has been having a lot of rain, I don't think they give a shit. Do you? 
Like my sister reached out to me. She's like, you guys okay? I was like, yeah, what? Of course. Oh, this is becoming national news, our rain. That's how big our rain is. Did you know that, Lorraine? Did you know that, Tennille? Hello, Tennille, Captain. Tip my cap to Captain. Captain of what? No one knows. You named yourself Captain. Love will keep us together. All right. You know something? I think it's time to join my wife on the couch, have some vegan smoked salmon dip from Trader Joe's. We don't ask, what's the pink stuff in it? It's not salmon, it's vegan. Next time you're at Trader Joe's and you go to the dip shelf, you know all the dips from hummus to buffalo chicken to tahini to chimichurri to the salsas and the salmon-esque spread. They call it salmon-esque because it's not really, it's vegan. Grab it, bring it home. It's got dill, it's got capers. It tastes like a wonderful Jewish deli all in one bite. I don't even care to look at the ingredients. If you've achieved that taste, like you've simulated smoked salmon and it makes you feel like you're being healthier because it says the word vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, free of preservatives, free of bleach and dyes. Just tell me free of everything. No GMOs. Give me all the buzzwords, even things that don't apply to food. Aluminum-free. Great. The dip's aluminum-free. Usually see that on deodorant, but hey, it's great. They fit a lot of what it's not. This is not smoked salmon, but it's so good. So I'm going to go join my wife, and we're going to plow through that. What are you going to dip in it, you're asking? Plantain chips. What do you think? I'm a monster? Oh, what do you use? Ruffles? Oh, I wish I could. That must be nice. Guess I'll do everything around here. All right, a good friend of mine is named Isaac. Isaac Zones officiated my wedding on 6-26-16, and he's a troubadour, and he's so good. I like his voice so much that occasionally I just request. He's like a human jukebox. I request a cover. I said, hey, I was watching the Bob Saget tribute on Netflix, and the last part, Jackson Brown comes out with John Mayer, and they start playing These Days, and Jackson Brown apparently wrote it when he was like 17 a teenager such profound lyrics and i asked isaac maybe two three months ago hey could you just learn it play it and send me a video how needy of a friend of mine oh my god i just realized how needy i am hey could you cover a song with your great voice and your incredible talent and then send it to me and then you know i'm about to put that on the podcast before we say goodbye i'll warn you it's a song that gets stuck in your head all right this might get stuck in your head but it's a great one I'm at the age where I've discovered Jackson Brown. Last week it was Dolly Parton, and now I'm at that age where I'm like, Jackson Brown, pretty good. Who's next week? Neil Sedaka? Rufus Wainwright? All these guys who are on tour, and when you're young, you're like, I don't want to know that name. Who cares to know that name? And now I'm like, Jackson Brown's lyrics really hit me. All right, so here's my man Isaac with the cover of These Days to Take Us Out. That's episode 204. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. talking these days, these days, these days I seem to think a lot about the things that I forgot to do for you, and all the time I had the chance to, I 
these days, these days. Now if I seem to be afraid to live the life that I have made in song, well it's just that I've been Stones and count the time and quarter tones to ten, my friend. Don't confront me with my failures. I had not forgotten them. Mm -hmm. 